Dear Lord, thank you for giving me the strength and the conviction to complete the task you entrusted to me. Thank you for guiding me straight and true through the many obstacles in my path and keeping me resolute when all around seem lost. Thank you for your protection and your many signs along the way. Thank you for any good I may have done. I'm so sorry about the bad. Thank you for the friend I made. Please watch over her as you have watched over me. Thank you for finally allowing me to rest. I'm so very tired. But I go now to my rest, at peace, knowing that I've done right in my time on this earth. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Welcome to the junk drawer. Oh, you just moved your finger. You must feel pretty good about that. They're like devising a plan. <laughs> his whole body's limp. Yeah. And they like gotta pick his head up. By the great Dr. Seuss. Not, not a real doctor. Not an actual doctor. Pediatrician. Right. No. Not also not. He's a practicing medical physician. <laughs> no. Oh. He first of all thinks that the hot blonde chick in the scene was. <laughs> Give her a ten yeah. for looks. Yeah. They're doing um, a threesome. Nope. That's not right. No, him and his wife, I think, are... They're calling it John Quick, and he's gonna finish first. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway... It's finally time to open the junk drawer. Hello, and welcome back to the pod, ladies and gents. Ooh, we're calling it the pod now. I've been calling it the pod. Okay. What do you call it? Do you call it the cast, Mario? I call it the... Uh, our little special treat. That's is, a weird thing to call it. Is it? We yeah. all have different names That's for That's what it, it's then. known around my apartment at Complex S. <laughs> anyway, my name is Bryce Howell, and I will be your host for this evening. I'm joined by my co-hosts. Mario Errico. Tonight, my name. my name is Eli. That's I'm Cole. You can't choose to change your name for the night. You can definitely choose to change your name at any point. Not to, not for a night, Cole. You know the legal jujitsu you'd have to pull off constantly? That's why I have my lawyer here. I'm a lawyer. Kay, get your skull. Okay. So, yeah, that's that was good. I'm glad we could share that moment. Um, anyway, for this this week's pod, we are doing The Book of Eli. Uh, it's a 2010 film starring Denzel Washington and Gary Oldman. It is directed by the Hughes brothers. Um, <clears throat> so this was my pick. Uh, I was very excited to talk about it. I'm, I can't wait to share my rating, but uh, I'm going to hold on to it for a second. I'm going to let my co-host start. What did you think of The Book of Eli? What was your rating? Um. So when you picked it, I was a little deflated at first because like oh i don't think this movie's good and a rewatch i don't think it's entertaining um wow it's a such a powerful movie like such an amazing idea for a movie that there's a apocalypse post-apocalyptic earth and there's one bible left that everyone wants to get a hold of essentially because of the power that it holds so to speak the word of god um and denzel washington is just unreal in this movie like Denzel's so good. God, like I hate to say this might be my favorite Denzel movie in it, but he's just so like. This prolific. is your favorite Denzel. We're gonna talk about it more later. He's just but so this godly. Is your he's so good at playing this role, and it was so enjoyable to see. Yeah, I haven't seen too many Denzel Washington movies though, so I should have prefaced it with that. Mm. But he's just so. There's good. some good ones. He just comes off as like a, I don't know. He's great. Um, so I really enjoyed it. Um, there are some flaws with it. Um, but I think it's way above average. I gave it an eighty-one percent. Wow! I was surprised you liked it so much. Oh, it was. It was emo- I was emotionally gripped on so many levels. Wow, that's interesting. Cole, what do you I think? I think if you're not a Christian, though, it, you don't like it as much. It doesn't mean as much to you. Well, I might shock you with my review then. You are Jewish now. 
because I am both a Christian and, and did you know, not I, oh. uh, care for it that much this time around. Wow. Uh, I'm going to be wearing the Eureka hat tonight because I'm going to be talking poorly about this movie. Do you want my size seven? Yeah. This hat? You couldn't fit my size sevens. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, so I've seen this movie. This is, I think, the second time I've ever seen it. And I think there was a big gap between my experience watching it for the first time and this time. Uh, I think there's some familiarity that happens in a negative for this movie where um, some of the things become a little less like, um, I don't know, like new and fresh when you saw it for the first one and, and now feel a little bit more like, okay, I actually maybe would have done this differently. Um, and so as a rating, I'm going to give it a 62. So still above average. And honestly, I'm I'm a little nervous to get into the efficient fix because I don't know what it is I don't like about this movie. I think if I'm, if I'm, Boiling down to one detail, like I think even just the cinematography of it isn't my favorite. Maybe that's a part uh, of it. I agree with you there for sure. I, you know, I I know we'll get there, but like it's definitely it's made in, in somewhat of like a comic book kind of feel to me with just the action sequences and the coloring. Um, but yeah, so I just it's above average, but not. I don't know. I didn't enjoy it as much this time. So when people ask about the podcast, the junk drawer. And, and one of the questions people usually ask is like, what does the junk drawer mean? And, and obviously, if you've listened to any of our episodes. Or our guests. As, as right. Or our guests. You know that we do not agree on what it means to be in the junk drawer. I founded it, so I know what it means. We all founded it together. Well, um, <laughs> you can't do this to me. I started this company. How much have you sacrificed? You know how much I sacrificed? <laughs> um, but one thing I always tell people that I think helps them understand is I'm like, we just like to talk about movies that we think we like more than most people. Yes. And so when I invite people to come on as guests, I say, I want you to come on and talk about the movie that you like more than anybody else in the world. And so that usually kind of uh, primes the pump for a person to pick about a movie that they would want to talk about. I think I really legitimately might like this movie more than anyone else on planet earth. Like I love this movie. If you were to scientifically create a movie in a lab, it would be The Book of Eli for, for, for me to like. Like, okay, so the genre, according to uh, Wikipedia, is a post-apocalyptic neo-Western, which is touching all of my genre erogenous zones already. Quit touching your own erogenous zones <laughs> in front of Cole stars Sorry. Hands above the tables, boys. <laughs> <laughs> it stars Denzel Washington, who is one of, if not my very favorite actor. And it's just, I love it. I, I think it's so good. Um, I enjoy the heck out of this movie every time I watch it. I've seen it a ton of times. I own it on DVD. Um, it is flawed. Like Mario says, there is some stuff that um, when you're rewatching it, it doesn't hold up super well. And, and we'll get into that. But I love this movie. I gave it an 85. Um, I really oh, like this movie. Okay. So the Metacritic rating, uh, <clears throat> again, so we go on a scale from 0 to 100. A 50 would be an average movie, as Cole alluded to. Metacritic has it at a 53, so three points above average. First which of gives, the first of the year for Mr. Cole Brown. Which gives right. Cole closest to the pin. Third, third movie, fourth movie Is it of the fourth? year. I'm I got I have two of those. Man, okay. I like it. From here on out, I'm just gonna cheat. I'm gonna get all of them exactly right. I swear to God, if you cheat, I will write the f word on everything. In well, there. guys, I guess I'll take it from here because obviously I'm I know what this movie is really about. If I'm so close to the real rating, <laughs> are you gonna take over hosting duties? Now? I'm gonna take over it all. Actually, I'm gonna answer for y'all from here on out. He's gonna monologue for the rest of the way. Okay. Oh, um, Morgan Freeman was in this. No, you said monologue. So other actors monologue besides Morgan Freeman. No, I don't think so. Denzel does a lot. Oh, you're in this right. Movie. James Earl Jones. <laughs> anyway, and uh, Ben Bailey. The Who's Ben Bailey. <laughs> 
Cash, cash cab. cab. Cash Cab. What's that? A TV show? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. The uh, Rotten Tomatoes summary of, of the various reviews that they've aggregated says, it's certainly uneven, and many viewers will find that, it re- that its reach exceeds its grasp, but The Book of Eli finds the Hughes brothers injecting some fresh, stylish fun into the kind of post-apocalyptic wasteland filmgoers have seen more than enough of lately. Um, and so I think that review does kind of like make sense to me because for me, like, like I mentioned, I love post-apocalyptic films. So like, there's no such thing as me like getting too much of it. So I don't know if this particular era, there was a bunch of those types of movies out. Um, but I, I love this movie a ton. Let me ask you this. You don't want to live in a post-apocalyptic world, right? No, obviously not. (laughs) I, I like what it does from a storytelling perspective because it kind of, when you Desperation let a, of characters. Right. It puts characters in, in desperate situations, but it also like for an author or a writer of a movie kind of reveals like their critiques, but also what they think is good about humanity. And you see that in this movie as well. And it opens up like funny little dialogue points. Like one of the, one of the things that did make me chuckle uh, is when Mila Kunis is talking to Denzel Washington and she's like, you know, you're from before this time. Like, what was it like back then? And he just starts, you know, kind of rattling off a few things that I think is like a a chance for the author to kind of flex the like, what is the big difference? And he says, you know, we used to throw away things that people kill each other for now. Yeah. We really didn't know it'd be like this. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you guys think? Are are you sure of your ratings or would you adjust them after hearing some of that? You know, today I was saying a buddy of mine and I were talking and he thought this movie was in the top 100 IMD movies of all time which I I, I would assume it it's was. not with that it's Metacritic not, rating it's not there's no way however I I am completely shocked by how low the Metacritic score is and I hate to say this but I think there's a little bit of a niche audience I think it is it does appeal more to Christian viewers because of what the Bible means to the viewers so I feel like I could see a lot of people being polarized by the movie um, specifically with, I think they try to cure, specifically, not specifically, specifically, oh. I feel like they try to cure that at the end of the movie. And let's make sure to talk about that with my fish and fix. Mm-hmm. Um, but I honestly think that that plays into why it got such a low score because I think it's acted pretty well. I think Denzel Washington and Gary Oldman acted at a great level. And I think the story is just so unique. I don't know why it's so low. I'm confident in my score. A lot of the movie is just letting two of what I think is our best actors, Denzel and Gary Oldman, just talk on screen for a long time, which is usually a good recipe. Um, Another negative review um, by Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly said (laughs) said, uh, he called it a ponderous dystopian bummer that might be described as the road warrior without car chases or the road without humanity, which I thought was a little bit humorous because I don't know if you guys have seen The Road. I know. I'm not uh, seeing The Road. The Road is a bleak movie. Viggo Mortensen? Viggo Mortensen. It's also based on the novel by Cormac McCarthy, which is equally bleak. Pushed by Sapphire? No. Oh. Um, it's also called The Road. Um, so I thought it was interesting to say it's like The Road without humanity because it feels more i mean it's certainly more uplifting than the road and 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 in a way like it feels a bit more human i love the road i I don't mean to critique the road the novel is one of the best novels i've ever read but novel it's so i i do find some of the critiques interesting i do think the one from the rotten tomatoes aggregator that says its reach exceeds its grasp is a little bit correct because i think what it's trying to say is kind of this like ideal that doesn't quite make its way fully into the film um, 
but it's still really good. I, I like that it's trying at it. Can I touch on that quick? Yeah. I disagree. I feel like it accomplishes it. I thought it was very effective, the message of the movie that – and correct me if I'm wrong. My interpretation with the message is, is despite all of the chaos and death and destructions that ha- that has happened on this earth, the word of God still exists and needs to be shared so that people can understand – why humanity is the way it is. I don't know that I took it that way. No? I mean, it, I mean, obviously it's a big proponent The the, you know, you have Gary Oldman who wants to wield the power of God's word negatively, negatively <laughs> towards his own advancement. And you have Denzel who's being compelled by a voice in his head, you know, presumably maybe God, the Holy spirit. If you're a, you know, a believer, that's maybe what you would give name to it. But I think even with it ending, the way it ends is that he kind of brings the Bible to a collection of great works in humanity. So this is where it fails for me. Is that he's he's putting the Bible next to Shakespeare, next to great inventors, great thinkers. And so it's more so this is another piece of the puzzle of humanity, not so much yeah. like this is what will redeem humanity. So that's what kills the movie. I think the message is really good. The whole movie, you expect it to be like... A, a, I'm sorry for viewers who aren't Christian, but it's like for me, it's like, oh, this is a Christian movie. Like the word of God needs to live on so that we can continue life the way it was intended to be. And at the end, they put it on a bookshelf next to a copy of the Torah, um, the Quran. Like it's just another another book in the collection, another religious text. And to me, that killed the message of the movie. It was like, oh, okay, we'll just put this on a shelf with all the nice other books that we have. I'm like, just end it when he's on the when he's on the bench. Mm-hmm. End it there where he's reciting the Bible. It would have been a beautiful ending, and and if you don't if you don't agree with the message, that's fine. Then you're not the audience for the movie. But it would have been a perfect ending, I thought, to the movie. Instead, they kind of water it down when they put it on that shelf with every other book. It's like, oh, okay. How many of these journeys have there been? Well, I mean, well, just the for, one. Just he, the he's, one. He's pretty sure he has the last Bible. No, I'm saying like we don't know. Like, if it was such a challenge, we don't know if they were burning the Torahs. We don't know if they were destroying the Qurans. We don't know. So I don't know. I okay. didn't like that ending. Cole, did did uh, do you have anything else to add in the "Are you sure?" category? Again, I, I think I'm I'm just curious to know what it is I don't like about it. I, I it's what, what do you mean you're curious to know what no, you don't I understand like about what you mean, it? Oh, like, you just like you didn't like it and you weren't 100 percent sure why? I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm really okay. I'm, I'm having trouble putting words to even as we get into efficient fix. Like, here's what I would change about the movie, so to speak. Get your skull. Um, I even spent some time today looking at negative reviews, and I didn't really agree with their sentiment. Like a lot of the critics that were pretty heavily negative towards the movie. I was like, well, that's not really how I didn't like it. Um, so I don't know. Maybe as we were getting into this more, I'll have more answers of why I'm sure. Did sure. you watch it? I did watch it. Okay. Yeah. You definitely watched the first half with me, but then he was sleepy and went to bed. So maybe you didn't like it because you were sleepy. No. Well, I you watched guys cheated? It. We're never supposed to watch these together. We you watched a lot of these movies together. Are you Are you kidding me right now? Me and Bryce always watch them together. Have are you, you not fucking been kidding? We never invite you. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm not sorry. Why don't you just fuck off <laughs> okay. out of this podcast? All right. Bye. We have hit our F word limit, though, yep. at this point. I said two. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we two. Have, we've two, gotten two, a lot many. cleaner this year. Yeah. Too clean, even. We. We've gotten cleaner? You, I am cleaner. Okay. You guys are, you are dirtier than me. tell us about how many viewers have been saying that we don't cuss enough anymore? Zero. We don't have any, we don't have any viewers. <laughs> Listeners. <laughs> it's all the same. There? So, Mario, you started to get into your efficient fix. Yes. Um, is that how you would fix the movie? Can you be more so, specific? Yeah, that that did bother me a lot. I okay. thought it was because I hadn't seen it. Kind of like not kind of like Cole. This was my second view. I hadn't watched it since I think it came out. So when he's on the bench, I'm like, what an awesome movie! And you get to see how magnanimous of a journey this guy took by reciting the entire Bible. There's pages and stacks of pages, and he's reciting. It's beautiful, but they kill it. They water it down. 
They just won't stop the movie. He dies. Then Mila Kunis takes over her role, and she's going back. She takes his blade because she can fight now, I guess. Then they put the book on the shelf. So that bothered me. The ending needed to change. It's the ret- Return of the King syndrome. Yes, exactly. Um, the other things I would fix, there's two big ones. Kind of like you mentioned, how it was shot. Like the coloring of the movie to me sometimes was hard to watch. If you noticed when the scenes where there was a faint sunlight, the clouds had a green tint around them. I mean, to be clear, it's done on purpose. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. That's why everybody's wearing sunglasses. It's it's the idea that the sun has literally become like a an element of like people can't survive. Yeah, yeah. You'll go blind if you go But it was hard. It was physically hard to watch. At times I had to look away and make sure... I didn't had just hadn't rubbed my eyes too much or something like that, so I didn't like that. It gave me a little bit of a headache at times. Um, and the last point, I don't think Mila Kunis was right for this role. I love her. What it's, what don't you like about her performance? She her the style of actress that she is comedic in most of her roles. I at first I see her as Mila Kunis. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know the Tom Cruise syndrome when you right. see Tom Cruise. She's not Solara. She's Mila she, Kunis. Yes. She just doesn't convey this hopeless child who was born after the disaster. She conveys a very beautiful, well-spoken woman who, I don't know, I, I didn't buy it. I can't buy it with her in this role. I just don't think they cast her very well. Not that she's a good, she's a great actress. Yeah. But I see her in As like, a comedian, not a dramatic actress. Yeah, like, can you think, I think she's in, I haven't seen Black Swan, which I heard she's tremendous. Black in. Swan is really good. Yeah. I just I don't like her pairing with Denzel. Cause um, Denzel... But there is some truth. Maybe even sorry to cut you off, but no, like there's this is a weird complaint. But like even just maybe in her wardrobe, she's probably a little too attractive for the setting. Like like she maybe needs to be a little bit more roughed up than having like clean hair, makeup, like makeup. You know, maybe it looks like letting her be a little bit more grungy because everyone else around her is like so starkly grungy that perhaps that's part of maybe the issue there. I, I think yeah. that's on purpose, though, because it seems like what I get from that, I think that's an intentional choice, that Gary Oldman, whose character's name is Carnegie, is specifically taking care of Solara and her mother. And so they, I mean, he uses the what he says could be the last shampoo in the world on their hair, on her, her yeah. hair. So mother's hair. The mother's yeah. hair, yeah. So it, it seems like, to me, it's reasonable that she would look clean when everybody else is so gross. I mean, they even mentioned at one point in the movie, Carnegie, Gary Oldman, tries to offer up Mila Kunis, Solara, as a prostitute, more or less, for Eli, Denzel Washington. Um, And he says, like, she needs to start pulling her weight around here, like, implying he's never used her for that end before. So it seems like Solara and her mother are getting special treatment, which is why they look so I just, I don't know. She doesn't effectively transmit that to the audience but you're 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 saying though that you don't believe it because what she's supposed to be is this sort of wide-eyed follower of eli yeah who's like drawn into him and you didn't buy that i just don't think the way like she delivered lines it just it wasn't very compared to him like he is like living in this world he is right well he has been and she has not and you know that from his performance i don't know i think like Kira Knightley came to mind. She plays that kind of role really well. When does Kira Knightley play a role? Well, like in that? like the Pirates movies. Bef- okay. After she becomes like so, not like the whole third Toy. Pirates of the Caribbean. Kira Knightley yeah, is what yeah. you want to hear. Or uh, like season six, Chris Traeger, where he's a little frumpy. Like, Weird thing to say. Right. No. Or um, Felicity Jones conveys that wonderfully in Rogue One. 
Felicity Jones. Oh, Felicity Jones is the main character in Rogue yeah, One. Yeah, okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So no, okay. I just think, uh, or Ellen Page in Inception, like that style of Ellen Ed. Page would be good yeah. here. I, 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 just, I like that. And one. I can't believe I'm saying that because Mila Kunis is one of my favorites. Yeah, but, I, I do agree with you on the on the very first comment you made, which is the ending is probably like that is something I have written down of my fixes. I agree with the timeline that I wish it ended with him laying on his back in the pew and the all white after he just shaved himself and he's just reciting the last bit of, of pages of the Bible and you see the stacks of paper. Um, I, so I teared up. I'm not going to lie. I don't have like, I don't have the issue of like the book going next to other books, but I do feel like it, the, the ending falls a little more flat with like the passing of the torch to Mila's character. Just, just truly, and this is getting like weirdly specific, but like literally from the standpoint of her as like a, the, the physical prowess aspect of what she's trying to display by like taking his machete and like machete. if there was times maybe where like he trained her a little bit physically along the way, maybe I would buy that passing the torch. But a lot of the scenes that you see her in prior to that is she just gets handed by men around her. Damsel in distress. Yeah. And so it's, it's a little, it's less engaging, I guess, to see her all of a sudden now I am going to be, a badass killer. I have his sword now, so I can do that. Uh, that I feel like I I I, I compared it to um, the ending of, of Children from Men, Chil- Children of Men, where the ending is Clive Owen is rowing the boat to the Human Project, and he basically dies as he arrives to the boat, and the movie ends there. Mm-hmm. That I feel like I don't need the setup for sequel of Mila Kunis. Yeah, I was going to say Eli think, Part Two. You think that's what they were trying to do? Maybe I feel I like don't you can think just so. Would it, even if not, like you could just accomplish that in the, in the first five minutes of the sequel. Yeah. So I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I did notice something this time that makes it make more sense is when she's first coming to follow him. It's, it's a small little line of dialogue between the two of them. But as she's coming to follow him, he's like, go away, go back home, whatever. And she says, I hate it there. And he just says to her, then change it. And I think oh. that like dialogue is is not revisited again until the very end. But I think if they had kind of spent more time dwelling on him teaching her, so to speak, I mean, we do see that she sits and listens as he recites the entire Bible. She consistently asks him to share some of it. She doesn't know what it is, of course. Um, so I, I do think it makes a little bit of sense, but I don't think they hit that idea hard enough for it to to fully develop over the course of the movie. So my thing is a little bit smaller than yours, I think, but it's one of the things I was getting at when I think I read the review that said the reach exceeds its grasp. I think the theme is a bit muddled. One of the things that I, especially on a rewatch, don't particularly find interesting is the way they have him be like supernatural. And I think what they're going for, of course, is that he's protected by God or some, some deity about the movie, but at times it turns it into a a little bit like of a superhero flick almost, which is not what I'm here for, for this movie. And I think it's especially so in the scene where they have the very Western style gunfight in the street, which I think could be a cool and interesting scene. But throughout that scene, you're like, he should be dead. Like, I mean, let's be real. He stands in the middle of the street and it's not the old West where guns couldn't shoot straight. It's, you know, modern guns at least. Right. And it's he, Glocks. he doesn't take cover until like 45 seconds into the fight with multiple <laughs> people shooting at him and no one hits him. Like literally the guy who's the number one enforcer shoots twice at a range of like 30 he feet. He doesn't flinch. And yeah. Ray Stevenson. Yeah. Mi- yeah. 
uh, misses the first time. Other guy shout. And then barely clips his backpack the second time, but doesn't catch any of actual Eli in the shot. And it's like, I, this just, it would make more sense if the quote unquote protection was a little bit less overt, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that obviously. Because it's cool the theme that the enforcers are a little bit scared of him because they're like, no one can touch him. If you like had kind of seen that, like he's he's he is beating up multiple people. If it's just the knife fight in the bar, I'm okay with just the knife fight in the bar. But when people are shooting at him at a very short range and just missing, it's like why? Like that doesn't make sense. Yeah, to and me. then even to have Oldman shoot him and hit him just a scene later, it kind of defeats. Well, it's a lot later in the movie. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's yeah, several scenes later. It's it's after the chase, but yeah, to have him like shoot him at point blank range and hit him. It, it also kind of maybe like makes you go back to like, okay, did they actually just miss, I guess, before? Like, could they have hit him, I guess? You right. Know? And I actually do the th- think the scene of, of Gary Oldman, Carnegie, finally shooting Eli right in the stomach is very impactful. It's because old it, man, Gary Oldman. It shatters everyone's illusion, including Mila Kunis, her illusion that he is this un- unhurtable person. Because, you know, like Carnegie said, he's right. If you walk up and put a bullet in him, he drops just like anybody else. And that is an impactful scene. But it, like you said, it's almost like weird when he's been missed. Like yeah. in very, it, I, I think if it was less like obvious that he was quote unquote protected by God, I would be more interested in it. Like again with the knife fights, or if like you know he as soon as that guy picks up his gun, he takes cover and like he still survives this gunfight, but he's actually using cover. Like I, uh, he's just standing in the middle of the street, getting gonna, shot at by like a dozen people, and no one hits him. That seems weird. Actually, that made the movie better for me. Made it a little more interesting for me. I hate to, not hate to, to not. We can like, have sh- different opinions. Yeah, You're no, okay. no, no, I'm saying not to sound like a like oh Jesus nerd, but I thought it was really cool to have like a he's like a superhero because of he's blessed by the Holy Spirit. I thought that was so cool because he makes a comment to Mila Kunis later in the house when they're getting shot at, and he's like, "Did that voice speak to you? Like, will I make it?" He's like, "We will make it out here alive." So to me, it's like this guy knows. He's untouchable. Mm-hmm. Like he's on this journey. He's gonna get there. That scene's also great because then the old people go, "What about us?" Yeah, and he yeah, says, "They didn't mention you." Yeah. So I don't know. That made it more cool to me because I don't know. I think I'm thinking about this. I'm like, man, you could. I know it's it's rated R. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. rated R. But if yeah. you showed this to like it's in Sunday school, like, oh, we have you know, it, it's it's appealing to people of faith. Like, oh, there's like a superhero. Yeah, it's not quite as biblical as you're making it out to be. It though. can be. I mean, he, he, biblical, he certainly dude. directly quotes the Bible, but... It's pretty biblical. Okay. I, don't I mean, know. Yeah, he's cutting off people's arms and... <laughs> well, he said that, you know, unfortunately, he'll do whatever he has. He prays for him when he kills him. <laughs> he does. Anything he has to do to get this book out there. He's I, I do love how they call it the book the whole time. I think that's like a cool mystery Well, because if they called it the Bible, no one would know what they're talking about. Because, you know, it, he, he mentions it's been at least 30 years since there's been a Bible. But I also think it's for an audience standpoint. I don't think he want I don't. I honestly think they don't want to scare audiences away. Viewers into thinking it's like religious. It movie. also makes sense in the context of the universe of the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what did you guys think was the best scene in the movie? I have two. Of course you do. Yes. Start with the first one. I actually have three. No, you don't. I do. Impossible. You need to show these two. You need to show these style of scenes. All right, give it to me. The first, I want to show, to convince someone to watch it, that there is action in the movie. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy his first altercation with the ambushers under the bridge when he shows so, off the machete fight. Let me talk a little bit about that because you guys have both said you don't particularly care for the way the movie looks. 
I disagree. I love the way this movie. I think that's my favorite thing about the okay. movie is how it looks. And it might be, again, my, my fetish for post-apocalyptic films. Creep. But I think it looks great the entire time. I think that particular fight that you're talking about. So first fight scene in the movie, he fights this gang underneath the bridge. And he does this cool thing where he steps back into the darkness of the bridge, yeah, which, so again, cool. makes more sense with the reveal later that he is, in fact, blind. <gasps> um, and so He was? And so it was he fights, a dream. The whole thing was a dream. He fights in the dark. Um, I think that scene looks great because the entire fight scene is is shot from one straight shot. The camera doesn't move, and it's all silhouetted against this gray and brown background of you know this dried up world. It's it's New Mexico because that's where every alien world has to be. Um, I think it looks great. It's no, just, I agree. It looks that looks cool. I just think I struggle with it juxtaposed against the other action sequences where. Then all of a sudden, silhouette one becomes very much like a comic strip in terms of like, because you can tell it's it's even like it's speed edited in such a way that it like looks fake. Ooh, how about the green screen when they're rolling in the boat? Um, yeah, it's that Alcatraz. one too. Oof. But like when I see that scene versus the Western shootout, like the Western shootout looks way more like guns yeah. firing on people and it all looks normal. I so I think I struggle a little bit with the balance between the two. Yeah, um, that scene is just so cool because. The believability of his abilities are really shown there. Like, okay, maybe he has to fight in close range because he's blind. He can sense people around him. He's got this long machete. Um, so I would choose that scene. Yeah, going back to my efficient fix, it feels more believable that he is this dominant force in a knife fight yes, very than true. in a gunfight as well. Very true. Um, so that scene and then two brief ones. When he first, and again, this is probably because of my upbringing and my belief system, when Mila Kunis asks him to read some of the Bible to her, the book, and he quotes it's Psalms 23, he said it. Yeah, Psalm, Psalm 23. But he doesn't read it. He just has it memorized. Yeah, he has it memorized, right. and he starts walking towards her, and he's saying it. It just gives me goosebumps. I loved that scene. And then the very end, when he um, survives <laughs> getting shot in the stomach, and, well, he's the will live. Like, the Holy Spirit won't let him die until he's quoted the whole Bible, essentially. And he's laying down. He's shaved. Yeah. Oh, it just... Ah, I but also, it. It, I mean, it is at least somewhat believable because Gary Oldman shoots him really low. Like he shoots him very low in his his center mass. Like so, it's believable that he would take a it's long like a time to die shot. from. He, well, I think a kidney would probably kill you faster. He stopped bleeding in terms of height. I'm saying. Oh like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, down yeah. by where your kidneys maybe, are. Maybe, maybe we can assume that the bullet passed through him. It seems like the bullet probably only ended in his intestine, which would cause you to bleed out very, very slowly. And in that white robe, he's not bleeding at all. Well, uh, <laughs> he's been doctored up right. at that point, yeah. Okay. sutured. Yeah, so it looks, uh, or that scene, the ending scene. So all three of those? Yeah. <laughs> Freak you guys. Top three. Mario gets a whole podium. Um, so again, I like the way this movie looks a lot. I think visually is my favorite part about this movie. The cinematography, the direction is so good. And I especially think from a perspective of what sells the movie I like the very, very beginning before the fight scene Mario was talking about after. So the very opening is a bit strange. He shoots a cat with a bow and arrow. It's cool. It's, it's a really cool looking scene, but I think that more than anything gets to what Cole's talking about. That particular aesthetic doesn't fit in with the it's rest like of the, the movie Watchmen quite as much. Almost. That seem it just seems it looks different. like Chernobyl. Like it's oh, a different yeah, yeah, setting. Yeah. 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 It's in the woods. Everything else is in this desert and he's in the woods. So that one, I think, cut right after that scene. So it's about three and a half minutes to about 12 minutes. I, I timed it out. 
is about nine minutes of this movie of him just wandering. And I think that the shots and the way that, you know, he acts without having to say anything is what like makes me want to watch the rest of this movie. So he's walking through this post-apocalyptic wasteland. He comes on a car with a skeleton. He checks it for shoes, keeps kind of wandering. They kind of do these like time-lapse fades. And then he comes on this house and you get to see him kind of scavenge the house. He eats the cat that he shot earlier. But then you can see him be benevolent to Finds the, the, guy who the mouse. He takes, he the takes the shoes. He does and a so, victory dance in the shoes. Yeah. You get Ooh, you get to yeah. see like everything that makes me want to watch this movie. We're in doing that a Casino chunk. Royale right now. We're just going through the whole movie. <laughs> no, that was only nine minutes of the movie. I know, I swear. <laughs> so I, I really oh. like that. I think that kind of establishes the aesthetic that I'm really into. I do love all the fight scenes, but I think that if I was gonna be like this is what the movie is, is a better example. Although the movie is pretty violent. Let me ask you this before Cole goes, because you might touch on it. I was disappointed with the score. I thought it should have had a better score for this type of movie. I thought the music could have like been really a part of the movie. I think in, guys li- I you think guys in movies like-, like this, you typically want a minimalist score because it kind of adds to the end. I wanted a giant violin operatic section. No, I think it's like purposely ethereal. It's purposely like otherworldly. Uh, ethereal? Yeah. That's a great word. Never heard it. What does it mean? It just means it is not of this earth. It is... In the, in the vapors, so to speak, oh. in the script. Uh, and so, yeah, I think I agree that it's done on purpose that way. I think lyrics would be distracting. So oh, there's not, not lyrics. I meant like uh, almost Lord of the Rings-esque. Yeah, I think that would be too much for this particular movie. It, one thing that I think they do do with the score poorly um, is I noticed it started playing a little bit like uh, if you binge watch uh, like an old animated show, you'll notice that they have the same riffs that play in every fight sequence. <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. Right. So there's a riff they play when Mila steps out at the very end that they play several times throughout the movie that huh. I think like, hey, why don't we just write a different, truly a different piece for each of these scenes and, and maybe each one doesn't have to share the spotlight with this one you know, track beneath it. Um, Shh. If we don't listen to the overture, we won't recognize the themes when they come back later. Oh, I love that reference. What is it, though? It's Daryl. Daryl says oh, that. Yeah, yeah. When they go to see Sweeney Todd. <laughs> boo. A lot hey, of people you're the guy booing. who booed me. Um, my best scene. So I, I, I like both of y'all's answers. I think this movie does a, a good job at making weird pacing feel comfortable, where it's intense action and then long sequences of no action at all and wandering. Um, so I think it's a really cool way that they, they balance those two and they do a good job of it. I think the scenes I find like the most delightful, uh, are the times where you let Denzel be a little chummy in, in this bleak environment. Uh, and so his, any, any time he's bartering is hilarious. Uh, and so like specifically he wants to get his iPod. It's not really an iPod. It's like a Zune or whatever it is. It's a video iPod. I think it's a video iPod. It's not. It's truly not an iPod brand, whatever it is. But anyway, he needs to get it charged. So he's going to the guy who's going to charge it, and he's trading for it. The guy's like, uh, uh, "You got, you got chapstick." He's like, "No, I got chapstick. I, I got, got cat oil." <laughs> Which is like, funny in context that he killed that cat and yeah. drained the, guy's the oil. Like, cat oil. He's like, "No, it works pretty good. You rub it on your lips." <laughs> and uh, and so like him going back and forth with those, and um, and I think probably my favorite scene then in that context is. His, I would take the bar scene where he comes in to the bar. He doesn't want to go over there at first, oh, but he's finally scene. lured over there because he's he's trying to get some water. And you have this moment where what I like a lot about, which I think undermines the superhero aesthetic, is that he's never looking for trouble. 
And in, in fact, he's often... I think it adds to the hero aesthetic. Right. But what, what I mean, yeah. though, is like he's never going out of his way to find find a fight. Right. And even, even when he's faced with a fight, he's apologetic and like dismissive of it until the final moment that he can't. Right. And so like that scene specifically, he like nudges this cat away and the guy antagonizes him. And he's like, hey, I, you know, I really don't want any trouble. And he's like being so soft-spoken and so dismissive. And like, I'm just, I'm just going to get my water. I'm going to leave. And then when the guy finally comes in to be a douche about it, he slams his teeth into the bar and he pulls him back up and basically explains how there's not going to be any problems. He's just going to leave. And the guy nods and he falls to the floor. And then the whole bar comes after him and he kills everybody. Yeah. So I like that scene because it gets a little bit of the bartering. It gets a little bit of the chummy. And then it gets a lot of Denzel as a character or Eli as a character where he's, he's not – he is powerful, but he's not wielding his power overtly. What does he offer again as a gift? It's like a pashmina. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like a he gives that for his towel. water. Yeah, he, he, he it's, it's like a scarf, with it. towels, and uh, leather gloves. He gives. Yeah. Towel oh yeah, the gloves are probably a huge get yeah. back then in that time. Back yeah, then. I think the scene that Mario described, the fight scene under the underpass, and then the fight scene in the bar are like almost textbook, like establishing who Eli is. Like they don't need to do almost any more character establishing yeah. for the rest of the movie because like all right, i got it i know exactly who this guy is now and i'm like i'm great yeah i kind of took away a little bit when they started using guns i wish i wish it was just like a very very select few of gary oldman's troops have guns instead they they move away from the knife fights to without being cliche and he can't bring a knife to a gunfight, so he has a gun as well and it just turns to shootouts, which is not as enjoyable to watch. Yeah, which I, I do think is, like I said, that would be the scene that I would do some, some yeah. uh, I'd, I'd have some notes on, that particular scene, the gunfight in the street, which I, I do think is kind of an homage and a hat tip to Western movies, but I don't think it it fits as well here. Go in, ahead. in the Western scene, he hears a baby cry, right? At the very mm-hmm. end, At the yeah. End. Nothing, they don't go and see the baby it could have been Children of Men right there. Two movies combined. They, no. they did combine There is them. no Children of Men going on here. People are having babies. Okay. Again with the smudgeness. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the ending. You guys have kind of broached it a little bit. So the ending of this movie could be considered a twist. Which um, ending? Well, the whole ending. Oh, okay. Um, and I, I remember being worried the first time I saw this movie that the twist would be that the book was the Bible. And I was like, that can't be the twist. It's very obvious that this book is the Bible. Yeah, there's a cross on it. <laughs> Right, there's a cross on it. He's <laughs> quoting Psalm 23. Like, this is obviously a Bible. Um, but that's not the twist. The twist is a couple of different things. The Bible he's been carrying this entire time was in Braille, uh, and Eli is, in fact, blind. Um, so what did you think about the ending of this movie? Yeah, I mean, I'll say unashamedly, first time I saw this movie, did not see it coming at all. I I didn't either. I There's a reason why. <laughs> right. I mean, hopefully you... I mean, hopefully you've seen this movie before this point. I, I'd hate for us to have just spoiled it for you. He was and dead the whole time. He was dead the whole time. No, but like I didn't see it at all. And I think watching it now for the second time, knowing that ahead of you know watching it the second time, there are plenty of moments that are like, wow, that was such a good tiny clue to the fact that he was blind that I didn't really catch because I didn't know that I was looking for it. There are other times, though, when I think they maybe go too far in the – we don't want people to think he's blind thing. Uh, and so there's a couple of times like where he, one of them is he pokes his head out of a house window with his glasses off and you see him articulating his eyes, like literally looking off into the distance and moving his eyeballs, which is not really representative of like have how a blind person would search a skyline. He literally looks directly up towards the sun with the glasses off, 
which yeah. is kind of a hint that he's blind, but also at the same time, like you wouldn't art, like you said, articulate your eyes in this manner of scanning across a right. landscape. But then there are other moments where you could, it's very obvious he's blind. And I think the the biggest tell that I had missed when I watched it the first time is his first interaction with the book is you see him just close his eyes, place his hand down on his lap and in the, in the camera's cut and framed in such a way that you don't see his hand at all. But you can tell he's like mouthing the words. Yeah. So maybe you're thinking, okay, he just has it memorized. He's just praying or something. But no, he's reading in Braille right now, and you don't quite see it, but that's a good little tell to it. Yeah, yeah. There, like you said, there's a couple little tells that occur, but they're small. Uh, you mentioned the scene where he's bartering. Um, when he flicks the lighter on, he passes his hand over it to feel that it actually turned on because oh, he wouldn't be able to see. Yeah, he did do that. Um, Cole also mentioned whenever he's reading. Um, another thing that I noticed on this rewatch is every time he's reading, he's very distant from the light source. He's always reading at night, and he's in the corner of a room far away from a light source. And so you can see that it is intentional, obviously. From the beginning, there's these little hat tips to the fact that on a rewatch, you would recognize, oh, okay, that is because he's blind. But like Cole mentioned, he <laughs> he continue, he doesn't act blind. Like Denzel is not playing this character no. as if he's blind. And like he's, you know, I'm not sure if that's the direction. Sure it is. Because the other actress who plays Claudia is purposely yeah. playing blind. She's not a blind person yeah. as an actress. She's playing a blind character. And so I think if they maybe steered into that more, like have him keep his sunglasses on the entire time. That wouldn't even be that suspicious in this That's film. That's exactly what I was going to say. Or conversely, you don't have to be blind to read Braille. I, you're stealing all my talking points, mister. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but like I was hoping rewatching it this time because I remembered it being like that the twist was that he was blind. And as I'm rewatching it, I'm like, oh, maybe when I rewatch it, that won't be that he's blind. It will just be that the Bible is Braille. Maybe that was it. And I just kind of assumed that he was blind myself. But no, they do a very deliberate zoom in on his eyes, which are finally in this scene unfocused. He does seem to be playing blind. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, they wanted the impression to be that he was blind, yeah. but he doesn't have to be. It's not good. Um, it wasn't effective. I, I do think that the twist that the Bible is in Braille is extremely Perfect. effective. It's amazing. It's yeah. a really good It's a really good twist. Um, it's a gotcha moment. Mm-hmm. It feels a lot like gotcha journalism, but they're not going to gotcha me. <laughs> um, but it reminded me of Charlie Cox in the TV Daredevil. TV show he does a great job of playing a blind he actually, character. I didn't even really give awards for this, but mm-hmm. he won an award from the Blind Association. I don't right. know. Um, it's un, uncanny between an actual blind person and what Charlie Cox does. It's yeah. so realistic. Denzel Washington? No. Even when he's looking straight onto the camera, he's looking straight at the camera. He doesn't look like someone who can't focus on someone in front of him. I think, like you said, keep the sunglasses on or just make him read Braille. It could have been effective too that he, if he made comments throughout the movie like, I, "I'm carrying this book. I don't know how to read, but you're carrying this book. Why?" Like almost alluding to the fact, like, what if, what if he said he couldn't read, but he keeps dropping quotes from the Bible mm-hmm. for the viewer to think, "Oh, he must have forgotten how to read over time," because mm-hmm. one of the other characters in the movie says, "Oh, it's been so long" or something like that. Right. Um. So then. And the twist is like, oh, no, no, no. He just only knows how to read Braille or I don't know. He's, right. he's memorized how to read in Braille, but he forgot how to read for, I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, I like the twist. I think it's good. So I think we disagree there. I just, I think I probably read it more as when he's doing things that inherently don't look like a blind person. It's them steering into the character of like he's 
being led by faith. He's 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 seeing oh, through sure. like you know supernatural means in but such he, a way. But I yeah I, I think he they can looks downplay it. Like he can see. Like I I, I mis- misconstrued when, my when words. When he's acting, he's acting as if his like you said, his eyes are searching yeah. the landscape, looking for certain things. I like the twist. I think it was conveyed ineffectively. No, I'm I'm gonna clarify again. I'm, what I'm saying is. I think he can look like he can see because they're trying oh. to play at the idea that he can see because of his faith. Okay, okay, okay. That's oh. why he's... Because he does mention the verse, I walk by faith and not by sight, I which would be... That. that would be a deep cut. Yeah. But wow. his eye, and then the rewatch, I know they only do the zoom in of the eye once at the end when you can tell it's cloudy. Mm-hmm. If you look at it again, you, his eyes are normal though. Right. But blind your, people... your eyes don't have to be cloudy to be blind. Oh, so they're just doing that to show you that. Well, his eyes are. I was just saying that his eyes are not focused as a blind well, person's eyes. At the end eyes. of the movie, they are not super focused. cloudy. If you remember, like, I'm just saying, yeah, blindness and cloudy eyes aren't like one in one in oh, one. Okay. They just do that at the end and make it extra over that. Oh, this guy's can yeah, can't see. Maybe so. So we'll have to get the what is it? The Wolster brothers or Hosser? What? what are the directors' names? The <laughs> The directors of this movie. <laughs> the Hughes brothers. Hughes brothers. Who, Host, who are the Worcester brothers? Worcester, are they from Boston? Worcester. <laughs> yeah, from they, Worcester, Mass. Worcester. They drive Sonatas. Smart park. Um, okay, so we're not in consensus on the twist ending. I, I Again, love that the Bible's in Braille. I think that adds so much to yeah. the theme of, like, you know, uh, Carnegie's character, Gary Oldman's character, Carnegie, is chasing after this thing, and he finally gets it, and he's unable to use zone. it. So poetic, yeah, like a Twilight Zone episode, which is another uh, thing I love. Uh, and then his blind mistress refuses to read it for him is yeah. great. Gen- Jennifer Beals, Jennifer Beals playing Claudia, and and so again, shout out to her. She is playing a blind character. She yeah. is herself not blind. I think she does a really good job. Let me ask you this before we move on. Did you not like the fact? I like that, that he was blind. I just don't think they did it effectively. Do you not like that he was blind? So what I'm saying is I, I don't – it's not that I don't like that he's blind. I don't like that rewatching it, as I've done many times now, with the knowledge that he is blind, it seems like it doesn't oh, make sense. Okay. That's what I don't like. Yeah. A twist is a good twist when you go back and rewatch the movie and you're like, how did I miss it? Okay. You know what I mean? So we mentioned, we joked about the sixth sense, or sixth sense earlier. When you go back and rewatch the sixth sense, knowing Bruce Willis's character is dead, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen a movie that's 25 years old, um, you were like, oh my gosh, like, of course he's dead. Like, no living people talk to him except for the little kid the oh, entire yeah. time. How'd I miss that? Or Shutter Island. Or Shutter Island. And Leo's yeah. crazy. Another, another great twist that you go back and rewatch and you're like, it makes sense. When you go back and rewatch the book of Eli and you know that the character Eli is supposed to be blind, you're like, eh, he, 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 he's not playing a blind character. There's The clues are small. And like Cole said, you pick up on the little things. Uh, another one we didn't mention, when he trespasses on the old people's land, there's a big sign that says absolutely no trespassing. And he says, I didn't see the sign, which would also oh, make yeah. sense. Um, but those little hat tips are kind of overshadowed to me by the fact that, again, when you're watching Denzel, he's moving about like a sighted person, and it doesn't really fit the twist at the end. Yeah. you got, Or if you're not going to do the breadcrumbs that make sense after you know it, I think you go the Fight Club route because, like, there's no way to really know Fight Club is the reveal that it is Gosh. until they show you, you know, basically the same scenes again now yeah. from the other perspective. But when you rewatch it, knowing that, it does make sense. Like, it is a good twist because right. you're like, oh – this is why everything was so weird before. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I like how we referenced Fight Club without even telling what the twist was. That was pretty good of us. I'm good at not giving twists. Yeah. <laughs> um, shouldn't work at a Dairy Queen then. Let's let's talk about the. Hey, that's a pretty good thank joke. You. I'm thank into you. that thank one. You. Let's talk about the uh, heavyweight fight that is Washington versus Old Men. Um, so was there a boxing match going on here? I, I mentioned that I think these guys are two of our best actors. I, I do like both of them a lot. I, I mentioned I love Denzel. Um, but they're doing a great job doing very different things. So the way I see this movie, in my opinion, Denzel is playing very understated, reserved kind of character. Oldman takes it a different direction. He is very over the top. He's hammy. 50% of the lines he says he is yelling at the top of his lungs. So my question is, whose performance did you prefer? And, and slightly different, whose performance do you feel like better fits with the movie? I think i prefer denzel's mm-hmm. like i mentioned earlier hot take that it was his best performance that is a v- extremely but hot I, take. Pref- I haven't seen too many denzel that's one of You've my never best. seen training day no i've okay. mentioned that a few You're times i know out. i have to go watch it out. i know it's like one of the best movies ever um there's a movie it's not nearly in his top movies it's called safe house with ryan reynolds mm-hmm. you guys remember he plays like this guy in the run tobin frost there's a part at the end when he gets shot he's like dying essentially and he gives this monologue and it sounds just like how he sounds in Book of Eli. I'm like, man, he's so good at just playing the calm, like peaceful guy. I love his acting in this movie. And Gary Oldman, I think, is very good. But I think you could replace him. I don't think you can replace Denzel in this role. He is the perfect person to play this character. Mm. Okay. I don't know. Maybe Keanu could kill it at this. I <laughs> do not think he is. I think he could. He'd have the quiet acting. Um, yeah, I think giving more context. I have the Bible. <laughs> more context or describing. Like, I, I think Denzel does a great job of, of doing the quiet badass. And the issue there is that if you do it poorly, it can become caricature. And I think he does a good job of it where he's consistently apologetic and non-confrontational until he has to be. So that helps kind of, kind of soften the, like, I'm quiet but really scary aesthetic. And then Oldman, like it running a lot of um, our boy uh, Teddy KGB's performance, yeah. just like just, just being, going for like, it, going splash the you know, ass over handles on being ridiculous. <laughs> they both work, uh, and so I know we're not saying that, but I don't know. I think Denzel gets this role more often in movies where he plays the the kind of passive activist, the person who, if you push me far enough, turns out I'm I've been really intense and. In, Specially trained all along, like a, this. His role here feels very similar to his role in Man on Fire, mm-hmm. uh, in just terms of just kind of, it's more so like a movie film through his eyes, mm-hmm. uh, and him being really badass. Uh, and so I think I I enjoy Oldman's performance just for its kind of novelty aspect in Oldman's career. Um, and so if I'm picking somebody who I think more so fits the 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 scene, you know, the, the post apocalyptic scene. I probably want to go with Denzel just because I think in a post-apocalyptic world, the last thing you want to do is be the loud, boisterous person who's trying to run the show. And you probably want to be the loner who's self-sufficient and doesn't really need a handout from anybody. So I I probably ride for Eli in terms of who would I want to be if I'm in this scenario. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, I love both actors, but. I think Denzel is is really good in this movie, as he is in pretty much every movie. He's incredible. Uh, Gary Oldman does do a great job of being an over-the-top over, th- over the top villain, though. 
Um, I, I enjoy it. He's a similar over-the-top villain in Fifth Element. Weird looking in that movie. Never seen he's in movie. Fifth Element? Yeah, he's, he's the villain in the Fifth oh, Element. Oh, I've only watched like 20 minutes of it. I couldn't get through it. I am 90% sure we will edit this out if he is not. Uh, but yeah, he, he's good at that. He And uh, he does a great job in this movie. Um, really selling the villainy of this character, but but being believable and hammy at the same time, if that makes sense, which is kind of a hard balance to strike. Uh, but yeah, again, Denzel, duh. Uh, so let's talk about Denzel. I'm so excited about this. Uh, so there was a time when I would have said that Denzel Washington was my favorite actor. Um, and, and honestly, if you ask me even this day, it, I might say he's still my favorite actor. I, I don't know that I have one favorite actor right now. Um but he is great. So this is just the Denzel Washington Appreciation Hour. And, and you have a lot of these. Yeah. Well, Smith, Vin Diesel. When it's a movie with an actor that I love, I want to talk about him a little bit. I want to talk about their body of work. Their body and or their, their body. body of work? And yeah. Their, well, uh, and he's just so handsome. Specifically with Will Smith oh, and Daniel Craig, I want to talk about their body specifically. Maybe Daniel Craig. Denzel doesn't have his shirt off as much. I'm sure he's in incredible shape too. But, uh, he did in this movie. He looks like a regular guy who's in a post-apocalyptic world. He doesn't take his shirt off. Yeah. Oh, oh, trust me. I know. Yeah, when he's wiping himself down. Oh, yeah. He's all scarred up. Um, So my first question, uh, Denzel Washington has won two Academy Awards, two Oscars. He's won Best Actor for Training Day and Best Supporting Actor way back in 1990 for his role in Glory. He's been nominated a number of other times as well for Best Actor. I wasn't even born yet. Or Best Supporting. Um. So it feels weird to ask this question about someone who has won two Oscars, but is Denzel Washington underrated? No, not at all. I don't think there's anyone that says he's not on. He's not one of the best actors of our time. I don't. I don't think he's underrated at all. I haven't seen enough of his movies though to talk too in depthly about him. So I'll, I'll just punt it. Uh, I'll receive that punt and and possibly punt it again. Good but catch. Thank you. Um, I think, and, and I have no no podium to speak on this as as a white twenty nine year old, but I think for a long time there was this weird thing around Denzel where he was categorized as being a really great African American actor. Yeah, and and you can just drop the adjective and just say he's right. just a really great actor because um, he's he is he is one of my favorite dramatic role actors. He's incredible in dramatic roles, um, and so. This is a, you know, there's a big part of this that is a drama that I think he does really well with. I think like Bryce said earlier, when you have moments where he gets to sit across from Gary Oldman and the two of them just talk and they get to paint the picture of the the issues and the struggles of the scene set up in this post-apocalyptic world, it, it plays off really well. Um, it's just kind of funny looking at his filmography because he gets to play the badass a lot, but they do it in such a way where it still feels fresh each time for me. So... I've not seen the Equalizer franchise, but I know he I plays he plays a badass in that. But when I'm looking at some of the roles I have seen him in, so for example, he is terrifying in Man on Fire. Absolutely terrifying. Oh, yeah. At one point, he literally tapes a explosive in a guy's mouth and tapes into a car and tells him, I wish you had more time as he walks away and the guy has oh, to yeah. eat a bomb that explodes him. <laughs> but then he's in Training Day and he's a whole different level of terrifying because he's a terribly corrupt. He's a villain. Don't spoil yeah. it. Well... Sorry. It's well, only, what, 30 years old? Yeah, the movie's been out for a little while. But then, so I just say all that to say, like, then I still haven't seen some of his more, you know, maybe accredited roles in, in, in a true drama fashion. It's so, like, I haven't seen Malcolm X. I mm-hmm. haven't seen uh, Fences. Um, I haven't seen Glory. So Either. I don't think he's underrated because um, I think he's a really good actor. So he, here's kind of what I'm getting at. Maybe maybe I misstated the question. 
I think, and Mario mentioned that no one would disagree that he is one of our great actors right now. Um, and I, I think that's true. But there's this kind of like philosophy that a lot of people ascribe to Hollywood actors of like one for me, one for them. Yes. Um, and I think if you kind of like go through Denzel's filmography, you see that where he'll do one where he's a badass action star and then one that's kind of like a serious drama. So just looking at uh, his literally his four most recent films. And also, uh, the other thing is he doesn't do a ton of movies, at least not anymore. So he'll do maybe one at most two films a year, and then he'll also take years off, which compared to other actors is, is a pretty low work rate. And so yeah. he's, very, he's being very selective even in the one for me, one for them. So here's his four most recent movies. 2016, he does The Magnificent Seven. He's over-the-top action star in that movie. Is that the Tarantino? No. <laughs> I'm that's, thinking of The Hateful Eight. That's Hateful Eight. Yeah. Magnificent Seven is a remake of an old like, 60s oh, TV show. It's a Western, though. Western. Yeah, I've seen yeah. that one. Over yeah, the top yeah. action, though. Eh. Not not very dramatic at all. Chris Pratt was in that one with him. Chris Pratt's in it. And our boy Vincent D'Onofrio is in it's it as okay. well. It's it's a fun movie. He's yeah. great in it because he's great in everything, but it's it's not a super memorable movie. Then Fences, 2016 as well. The exact opposite. No action. This movie is very dramatic. He does the great job in this movie of playing this very complex, complicated character. You've seen that one? Yeah, I've seen Fences. It's, it, it is quite good, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's very dramatic. Yeah. Uh, it's a play, and it, it feels like a play. And, in fact, he's done a lot of work on stage. Uh, he played the main character in Fences back in 2010 on stage. Oh. And then he worked hard to get it adapted into a movie. Um, Does so, he play the same character in the movie? Yeah, he plays the, he plays the main okay. character. He was nominated for uh, Best Actor for that role. Uh, 2017, Roman J. Israel Esquire, a movie almost no one saw. Again, oh, yeah. I love Denzel. I did see this movie. Not a great movie, but he is, again, amazing in it. Like, very dramatic role, no action scenes again, very conflicted, complicated character. And then, 20, 2018, we get the Equalizer 2, and he's back to just blowing <laughs> people up. And so, like, I think because he does, like, this back and forth of, like, over-the-top action movie like the Equalizer, and then a little kind of niche drama like Roman J. Israel that not that many people see. Uh, sometimes we just think of him as just action star Denzel when he is so great at playing these very um, intensely complicated characters as well. So yeah, I, the, this is just my chance to talk about Denzel for a moment. What are you going to say, Cole? Just in the category of intensely uh, complicated, incredible Denzel characters. I had, you'd written here, what is Denzel's career peak? Yeah. Sorry. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. Please tell me what you think his peak is. This is not his peak. It's it's Cole's peak, Denzel. So yeah. it's peak from my perspective. It's also a pretty weird, underrated cut. It's John Q. Okay. Uh, quick mm -hmm. plot summary. He is a father who's trying to get a heart transplant for his son. His insurance won't cover it. So he holds the hospital hostage to do so. And the movie climaxes to the point where he's willing to physically forcibly give his own heart to his son in order to accomplish his son surviving super super well done there's like little to no action in it it's a ton of just him loving his son and like the crowd coming around him it's older but it's really good and i also feel like it's a perfect junk drawer movie because it has a 30 on metacritic <laughs> and i'm obsessed with it it's so good yeah so, what's the name of it again john q john q oh. john, john q so maybe it's called John Quick because he finishes first. I actually think when we talk about what's his peak, I think that is the end part of his peak. And so let me give you this run real quick. Ninety nine, he does the Hurricane. Hurricane is a movie that's not well known, but he it's a boxing movie. Right? He plays a boxer. Yeah. He gets the nomination for best actor for that one. Two thousand, remember the Titans, fan favorite. 
if you want to see over the top Denzel Washington, go watch Remember the Titans. That's not one of his best movies. Are I'm talking s- about this run. No, 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 no. I think that's just like a fan, fan serviced movie because of how people love the movie. Oh, God. yeah. Come it's on. a great movie. He's good in it, but it's not near his best. I'm, I'm saying this run, no, no, this no, no, streak no, of no. four movies. I'm just saying how people are so, like, oh, that's Denzel's best. I'm like, no. Her, I'm saying Hurricane is a great movie yeah. where he gets nominated for Best Actor. Uh, Remember the Titans is a great movie that people love. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Then the next film is 2001 Training Day, which he takes home the trophy. And then the next one is John Q, which is a movie I also love. Um, which maybe isn't his best. Um, but again, it's tough to pick one peak because it is so up and down because, <laughs> you know, you get uh, Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3, uh, which is an over-the-top action book of <laughs> Eli. Over-the-top action. Of. Listen to this over-the-top action run. Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3, Book of Eli, Unstoppable, which is about oh, the train that can't stop. Yes. <laughs> and then Safe House. Have you seen the SNL skit about Unstoppable? <laughs> no. They just spoof him the whole time like, we aren't going to do that unless we can stop this train. Like every line. <laughs> but it's like he does these runs for fun. And then he follows up those four movies with Flight, which is a movie he, again, gets nominated for Best Actor for. Flight? Well, he was the lead in Flight? Yeah. He's the lead in Flight. He plays the oh, the pilot. The pilot. <laughs> and, um, um, so he just always does just, yeah. just back and forth between over the top Safe action. House is really fun to watch, though. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. It's like these action movies aren't bad either. They're yeah. fun to watch. So anyway, I'm just glad I got to go on my Denzel yeah. soapbox. Uh, uh, just be looking out on your iTunes feed for my uh, Denzel Washington podcast. I'm just going to go through iTunes. his whole filmography and uh, just Classic. break it down bit by bit. We'll call it Denzel watching him. Oh, my gosh. It's a podcast. Edit this out. This is my new podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you can leave. So our favorite section is Tidbits. Well, it's not my favorite. Which is sponsored by Gratuitous Product Placement. <laughs> and um, we are always here to do our fun internet research on our various films that we go into. So <clears throat> what did you guys find out those fun tidbits about I, the Book of Eli? Yeah, I got a th- three fun ones. Go for it. Did you guys know the movie took place in the year 2043? Did not know that. Which, That's interesting. if you're going by um, Blade Runner 2049, they really build up that civilization quick. Yeah, they get it going quick. Well, so, after they get the Bible to Alcatraz, they... Yeah, uh, hyper technology. Um, Gary Oldman actually was cast at the suggestion of Denzel Washington. Wow. Good pick. Cool. Big, yeah. Good pick, Denzel. Like if Denzel tells you to do something, you better do it. Um, and the last one, I was very pleased to find out, Denzel performed all of his own stunts in the hand-to-hand fight scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's the man. So building on that, uh, he learned from a choreographer, a fight choreographer named Jeff Amada, the Filipino martial art of Kali, which is a knife-based martial art which i thought was interesting because the fight scenes do look pretty unique um and so that's a yeah. martial art that i was not to be to- confused with a cultist from tipple of doom <laughs> yeah not to be confused with indiana jones um also my joke uh that this is sponsored by gratuitous product placement my original joke was going to be that it's sponsored by the alcatraz printing press which is what makes the bible at the end yeah. but did you guys notice how much ridiculous uh product placement there is in this movie when bryce and i were watching it together kfc so kfc so the worst one to me is the beats. So he puts oh, yeah, on yeah. he puts on beats that, that are yep. like flawless mm-hmm. next to an iPod that is like a cracked screen and half on fire. <laughs> but the the beats are in perfect condition. Yeah. Uh, there's Bush. We saw Bush, Bush, Bush beer, which made me laugh because that's when me and Cole we were watching it and 
the Bush Beer Thanks for the invite. truck is just crashed on the side of the road. And I'm like, who wants their product placement to be just like, oh, yeah, in the apocalypse, does. we were just crashed yep. <laughs> in the side of it's the road. It's like uh, when Dave talked about the uh, planner. And Back to the Future, when they had made the peanut. Peanut M&Ms yeah. or whatever it was. Whoever it was, oh, planted peanuts. Oh, raisins. Raisins. Yeah. <laughs> It's like Bush Beer is at the scene where these highway robbery people kill a guy and then presumably take a woman away to sexually assault her. And yeah, we got the Bush truck here. So <laughs> I didn't think about perfect that. placement. Ooh, don't like that. Did you catch any other? Um, there's one more. I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. But yeah, there is the KFC is on is on the little napkins yeah. or whatever. Um, it's just it's funny to see like oh yeah we want our product placement in this post apocalyptic world it's like do is that where you want your yeah, product right. placement the Da Vinci Code is one of the books I that, that. Uh, that Gary Oprah? Oldman has oh Oprah. that was the other random one I just remembered is when he first walks into town J Crew is on one of the buildings. oh yeah, yeah I saw that I love J Crew have a card <laughs> yeah, there yeah look good in, in the post apocalypse yeah. uh, my tad bats are tad as follows bats. Uh, I always like going down y'all know me the train of, of related roles. Uh, and so today's are going to be brought to you by a couple actors and a writer. Uh, so Michael Gambon, he is the old man, the yes. the cannibal couple that they meet. And that is a creepy AF scene that ends up being a fun scene too later yeah. with all the guns. Uh, but he is uh, Dumbledore yeah. in the later movies of what? Harry Potter. Yep. Yes. He's the second actor to play Dumbledore. Yeah. He, Whoa. The Phil and Dumble. Um, and then as we... R.I.P. Uh, to the first. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Harris. Also, uh, Marcus Aurelius. We reference it the, exactly. Oh, wow. We're going on a rabbit trail. Go yeah. ahead, Paul. <laughs> no, I love those rabbit trails. Uh, we said at the beginning, but Ray Stevenson plays uh, Oldman's lieutenant, this guy named Red Ridge, uh, but you would have also known him from the other guys. He's the head of the security, <laughs> uh, and he's also Volstag in the Thor movies. Yes, dude. Uh, the early Thor movies. And then my favorite little find was Gary Whitta is yeah. the writer for this movie, and he also wrote uh, Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Ooh, so great movie. I was real pleased so, with that because I love Rogue One. And so he's literally only credited, at least on Wikipedia, shouts out Wikipedia, um, with writing three movies in his whole whole career. He wrote Book of Eli, he wrote Rogue One, and then he also wrote After Earth, which oh, is, you know, two out of three is not bad. But also, in his defense, um, he wrote the script for After Earth after Will Smith had already written the story for After wow. Earth. The other two, Book of Eli and Rogue One, he actually come up, comes up with a story. <laughs> How does he get Rogue One? Star Wars, I feel like they're going pretty for the, the top-notch people so, here. I know he has some major connections in, like, nerd world. Mm-hmm. He He's uh, also um, he's done a bunch of work writing the story for famous video games, specifically the Walking Dead video games, which are pretty well-loved amongst it, the video game community. Oh, they have video games for Walking Dead? So they have, like, a they're called Telltale Games. That company's actually gone out of business now. Um, but they're very much like RPG style video games where they're like literally you're playing through a story. You're not even like playing the video game. So the huh. story is very important to those games. And he he wrote most of those. Um, huh. Are they based off characters from the TV show? Uh, I think some of the characters. I've never played okay. them. I, I think some of the characters make an appearance. He also wrote the Star Wars, a few episodes of Star Wars Rebels, which is a uh, popular TV show. Rebels. Well. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Rebels. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I uh, was going to talk about Gary Whitta as well, uh, but Sorry. also no, no. stolen. I again, I watched this movie and I thought, man, you know, I like the direction of this movie. I think it's very special and, and notable. So, so special. It's directed by the Hughes brothers, who um, have really only directed a handful of movies as well. And not I the have, Worcester brothers. Not the Worcesters. <laughs> uh, 
I've only seen this movie by them. Um, here's their other ones. Menace to Society, which is supposed to be really good. I've never seen it. Dead Presidents, American Pimp, and From Hell. Never seen any so of those. I've never seen any of the other movies. So I guess I have some homework to do to see nope. if I like their style or only liked it one time. Sound horrible. Um, but they stopped working together because one of them moved to the Czech Republic. Mm. I hate when people move like that. You have <laughs> yeah. a good thing going. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Anywho. So what happens now, Bryce? Now, we ask ourselves the question, does this movie belong in the junk drawer? Ooh, yes, I think it does. As I mentioned in the beginning, I think if on nothing alone, the quality of most people find this to be a slightly above average movie per Metacritic. And I think this is one of my favorite movies <laughs> makes it a junk drawer yeah. movie for me, if nothing I, else. Again, this was also a movie that I did purchase from the, I think this was a target bin. Um, I think yeah. you and I can appreciate it more as well because of our faith. Uh, I, I mean, it's tough to say how I would like it otherwise, but I, I think I have it's, a more connection. How about that? Yeah, I think I think that's definitely part of it, but I also think it's more than that. But that might be that might be why. Yeah. What do you think, Cole? Um, I don't know. It's not my favorite apocalyptic movie, post-apocalyptic movie. What is your favorite? Probably, probably Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, uh, Mad Max Fury Road is so good. What about Blade Runner? I, but I haven't seen a ton the of first them. First one, or I'd really have to look Any at a list of the ones I've seen to really have a, a apt oh, that's comparison. Not sorry, um, but I don't know the, the like comic bookiness of a road rally being what runs the world after the apocalypse is really fun for me. And while this trope of a book that's so powerful is unique, I think I have more I have more fun with Mad Max uh, watching it. But so. Um, I'm going to say it doesn't go in the junk drawer. Wow. I just think, I think, you know, it's just one of those movies that it's really impactful the first time you watch it and then falls off so quickly after that, that, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of people going out there to go get it to say like, I got to have this in my collection because just me, baby, (laughs) just Bryce, baby. Do you guys think it's better than, uh, one of your other favorite guys, uh, Will Smith's I Am Legend, post-apocalyptic movie. I like this movie more than I Am Legend. And I, I love Will Smith's performance in I Am Legend. I have some, I have more nitpicks with the end of I Am Legend than I do with the end of Book of Eli. But in the I Am Legend, you get to see Will Smith doing pull-ups, though. That's true. So that's why you like that movie. Well, just Not doing as general. much for me. <laughs> How about Daniel Craig? Let's get him back. I don't know. And I am legend, you get him interacting with mannequins, and it, it hurts in a good way. I think oh, Will gosh. Smith's performance in I am legend is really strong. I think that could be a future junk drawer movie. So let's, uh, let's, save, let's save it. Yeah. Let's save it for the future pod. So speaking of future junk drawer movies, if you have a movie that, like me, you like more than any other person on planet Earth, uh, you can send that request to askthejunkdrawer at gmail.com. That's right. Or you can find us on Twitter at junk underscore pod. You can tweet at us there and, and send us your recs as well. So that's all we have for this week. And we will be back with a new movie next week. Cool. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Junk Drawer Podcast. If there's a movie that you want to hear us talk about, then please reach out to us at askthejunkdrawer at gmail.com. See you next time. <laughs>